there, fans. You're listening to Fanboys with Nate and Adam. As promised, October has begun, and we're here to give you some horror-themed content for the whole month of October. Today, we're talking about Stranger Things. We've already gotten three seasons under our belt, and we've just now recently seen news this week that season four is upon us. Probably a lot of you out there are big fans of Stranger Things like us. If you haven't seen it before, what the hell have you been doing with your life? Get on Netflix, stream it right now. And then after you're finished streaming all those three seasons, come back here and listen to our new Scary Things podcast. <laughs> So this episode begins our Scary Things talks for the whole month of October. We're planning on uh, dishing out a lot more spooky types of episodes for the rest of the month. So check those out. Be on the lookout. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Facebook and Instagram, you can find us by searching Fanboys Podcast. And on Instagram, find us by searching Fanboys Pod. Here we go, fans. Boys with Nate and Adam, and we've got a great episode ready for you today. So uh, get your listening device ready and enjoy. Hey there, fans. Welcome back. We've got some fun stuff for you for this new first day of, well, today's the first day of October. Some people are really into October, and Silo is one of them. Actually, the correct way to phrase that is some people are into October, everybody else is wrong. I mean, I'm not anti-October. It's a perfectly respectable month. It's in the top 12. July has Independence Day in it, and I love freedom. I know you do. My 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 freedom pushes me to say that I enjoy the best month of the year, which is October, because it's it's fall. Have you considered loving freedom more? <laughs> I love my freedom so much that I choose to pick October over July. June has Flag Day in it. Which is also very appropriate. We we may both be a little bit biased. Uh, my birthday's in October. You're in the military, so instantly I feel like you need to love July and the Fourth of July and Flag Day. Uh, June Fourteenth is Flag Day, and people should celebrate it more. <laughs> so what what do we have for our fans today, Nate? Uh, we're going to talk about a beautiful television program called Stranger Things. Woo, Stranger Things. Uh, point point of order silo. Are we going to include spoilers in this podcast? We always include spoilers. Okay, so fans, this is your spoiler warning. If you don't want spoilers for seasons one, two, and three of Stranger Things, please turn off the podcast now and come back after watching those seasons. This is the fanboy's official endorsement of watching all three episodes of Stranger Things, bingeable right now on Netflix. 100% right there with you. Stranger Things has been one of my all-time favorite streaming shows on Netflix since it first came on. My favorite season out of the ones that we've had available so far has been season two. And the reason for that is because my favorite time of the year is fall. My favorite month is October. And as soon as you turn on episode one of season two, we jump right into Halloween. They're all dressed up as the Ghostbusters, the town cop hoppers out and up uh, investigating stuff in town for pumpkin patch. Uh, I, I just get the fall feels I, I'm, I'm already just just locked in for the whole season we just recently got done with season three of this past july 4th and it was it was very enjoyable i like how they zone in on specific uh times of the year or focus on holidays and stuff they got on the fourth of july for that one they had all the fireworks and stuff incorporated in it new characters which was really cool because you get to see the girl that steve works 
with at the ice cream parlor at the mall. Who I learned after watching that season, she is Uma Thurman's daughter. Fun fact. I did not know that. Yeah, fun fact. Okay. The Fanboys Podcast wholeheartedly endorses this this show. It's near and dear to my heart for several reasons, one of which is because Silo and I grew up in the same state that this uh, show takes place, which is Indiana. Go Hoosiers. Uh, and Silo still lives in Indiana. So we are we have a pro Indiana bias as Hoosiers, and that that's fair enough if you want to criticize us for it. <clears throat> but uh, we we wholeheartedly endorse this program. It is eighties tastic. So if you are a fan of anything eighties pop culture, you will love it. If you're a fan of the horror genre, you'll enjoy it. And if you're a fan of Indiana, you'll enjoy it. Yeah, uh, I think the biggest reason why I love the show in general as a whole, they they tap into a lot of different um, uh, cool fandoms. Like you said, they they touch on horror. They've got the 80s theme. They really pull on the nostalgia chord for me, which they do a really good job with, with the music and the eerie. Sorry, with with the eerie music and the the titles for the show just gets really draws you in if you've got that horror aspect and you know i'm a horror fan i love watching horror stuff and especially just like uh monster related stuff so uh if you're if you've been longtime fans of things like alien or uh predator just uh let's see species i mean there's not no not sharknado we do not endorse not, sharknado not, Sharkna- not sharknado listeners don't <laughs> sharknado and alien are not like each other it's another one i have not watched and i don't need to to be able to tell i, I don't need to watch it teeth <laughs> oh, oh god side side note were you were you of the of the group the day that we discovered teeth and how horrible that was I was there. God damn it. <laughs> so if that might even be available on Netflix i think i saw online the other day that it is Search with caution, fans, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it's a scary program. It's a very scary program. It's unlike anything else you'll ever watch. Uh, there's some freaky stuff on the internet, Silo. You don't know what these people are into. That's uh, fair enough. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the last thing that I think I really love uh, Stranger Things for is the um, the buddy comedy aspect where you're following these group of kids, uh, pulls back in memory for things like uh, Goonies, Super 8. Stand by me. Okay. Stand by me. Yeah. And uh, of the ones that we just recently reviewed, too. So like the It crowd from the mo- the, the movie It when they're kids and stuff. I really like that band of, ba- band of friends uh, fighting some weird, mysterious horror aspect and stuff. That's that's really fun for me. I like being taken back to the days when we were little kids, had little responsibilities and roamed the world on our bikes. I enjoy that stuff. So if you're still here past the spoiler alert warning, let's dive into it and we'll start by setting the stage and talking about season one. So season one, you got we got introduced to all the main cast. We got introduced to this world of the Upside Down, and we got introduced to the inhabitants of said world of Upside Down. And the, the opening scene to the show on episode one, season one, is what just totally rocked my whole world, rocked my socks because it's four guys in a basement playing Dungeons and Dragons yeah. in Indiana. Yeah, exactly. And as someone who grew up in Indiana playing Dungeons and Dragons with some guys in a basement, I was just like, Pew! 
just mind-blown moment like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what this is, but I'm in. Take me on a journey. Instantly hooked. You know, that's great that that was just the opening scene that reeled you in. In fact, uh, listeners, I'm learning li- real time with you the 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 moments that it takes to have uh, Nate become an instant fan of something. Like if you listen to our <laughs> most recent episode, we know that he first became a fan of Smallville because of a little scene in the first season where Clark was doing fence post digging. And by digging, I mean plunging posts into the ground with his bare hands. <laughs> so it's it's not a big formula silo if i can find a scene where i can relate to it on an emotional level then i'm hooked in and once a program has hooked me i'm willing to stay around not through any sort of nonsense but through some highs and lows yeah uh but this show is all highs i i can't so, i can't really argue with that i mean i get drawn in so what these epi- these uh, these seasons run for about generally what 15 or so and sometimes 13 episodes yeah so it's not terribly long uh they base it on you know like chapter one chapter two for each episode and uh at the end of each one they they do the page turner and they they hook me in man each time I'm, I'm into the end of the season i gotta see what happens season one season two season three each time i'm in it and it's always engaging it's always fun I don't know how they do it, but I am ready for season four to come. But anyway, you were talking season one. No, absolutely. Uh, We're all ready for season four, Silo. That's a good point because season four is coming. (laughs) So the main main cast is Lucas, Mike, Will, and Dustin. Mm -hmm. So Mike, it's his basement. He's the host guy. He's got a classic 1960s perfect quote-unquote-esque family. Then you've got Lucas – He's the minority kid in the group, right? Uh, and you find out throughout the season that his dad was in Nam. <laughs> I forgot about and that he's part. Got, and he's got all this like old Nam paraphernalia yeah. that he equips himself with throughout the season as needed. Then you have Dustin. He's has no front teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin's my favorite. He's, he's the curly haired. You know, chubby kid of the group. It's like the classic 80s foursome, right? Mm-hmm. He's a little bit of comic relief. Uh, and then you have Will. Will's quiet, more shy, more reserved. Mike is the dungeon master running the game. Will is set with a scenario and he doesn't know what to do. Lucas and Dustin are giving him advice, but he's very hesitant. And this comes to play the last episode of the season when they're going back into the basement after their adventures and taking the game back up where they left off because through the course of the character growth of that first season will becomes very more confident in himself and when faced with that situation again he doesn't hesitate and he makes a decision and it's an aggressive decision and so it's represent it it creates a nice balance and symmetry for this for the all of season one, but it also demonstrates very strong character growth for a title character. Who's your favorite out of the uh, the band of boys in the first one? Uh, Mike. You like Mike? I like Mike because like uh, yeah, I mean they're all great in different ways. Uh, then do you you also like Mike? I like Mike. Dustin's my uh, go-to just because he's kind of the uh, the class clown, so he makes me laugh a lot. Okay, fair enough. All right, the other big characters there are uh, Nancy, mm-hmm. uh, Mike's older sister. Then we have Barb, Nancy's best friend. 
Nancy's love interest is Steve Harrington, the sexy boy at high school. Popular kid. Popular kid. We have Will's older brother, Jonathan, Mm -hmm. uh, who has a crush on Nancy. And we have Hopper, the town sheriff, Joyce, Will's mother, and... Eleven. Eleven. Well played, Silo. (laughs) Can't forget Eleven. Eleven is – she does a great job with her American accent because the actress who plays her is British. Yeah. uh, I'm always uh, pretty well surprised when I learn that one of the actors or actresses that I fall in love with and you hear them with an American accent for the first time and then you hear that uh, they have a British accent or a Scottish accent like um, James McAvoy. You hear his natural accent. I'm like, damn, he's good in American accent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. But this episode – this season was great. The first season was great. We were introduced to the Demigorgon which is a classic Dungeons and Dragons monster. And I, I love it. I didn't know that that was actually from Dungeons and Dragons. That's cool. I thought yes. they just made it up. So I love that all the monsters in this show are named after Dungeons and Dragons monsters. That's so cool. if you know your D&D monsters, as I do, then you instantly make that connection just like the boys do. Uh, and you know some of the back, the, the implications of a monster of that type. Does that mean the Mind Flayers one too? The Mind Flayer is a classic. Oh, it's so cool. See, now that's an aspect that I'm not appreciating as much. That's cool. I like that. Not only – we'll get into Mind Flayers when we hit season two. <laughs> so uh, um, the boys are also an AV club. So if you like those classic 80s tropes, you've got a quartet of young boys who go on adventures riding bicycles. They fight against the government and, corpor- and evil corporations in their hometown when no one believes them. Um and they have a magic best friend. Yeah. And Eleven comes in. She, she shakes up their little group with offering a romantic interest, with offering uh, a response to the bullies um, and all the classic 80s, like good stuff. Like Steve Harrington has the big 80s high school pretty boy hair. Oh, yeah. Um, and all the characters, while they fall into classic 80s tropes, as you go through the season – you learn that they're not one-dimensional, right? So Steve Harrington, yes, he's a high school pretty boy, but he has his moments to peek behind the curtain and become a deeper character. The Joyce, the down-on-her-luck, hardworking single mom, has her moments to be more than one-dimensional and become a deeper character. Same with Jonathan, same with Nancy. Yeah, I feel like they did a really good job of giving each of those characters, and it's a long list in just that first season, of uh, giving them all the development that they need so that you actually want to follow them on through uh, season to season. So, oh, And I forgot to mention, too, uh, by season two, Hopper, I think, became my favorite character in the whole storyline. Yes. I love Hopper. Yes, ab- absolutely. The Hopper goes into season two, sneaking food into the woods for Eleven, right? After everything is blown over. We see that he takes it's Christmas time and he's sneaking food out of the Christmas party to put in that box because he's he's reworking his old family cabin. Mm-hmm. And I like that he has a beard in season two yeah, as opposed to just scruff. I think it suits him. It it does. He pulls it off very well. And his growing father daughter relationship with Eleven is beautiful to watch. And I really like season two. I feel like that that relationship between the two of them, that had to have been the heart of the whole season, which really drew me in because uh, and that might have been why I grew to love his character so much, because you see him having a huge struggle trying to raise this girl with powers, yelling at her and setting these hard and fast rules that she has to abide by in his house. And then eventually you realize that 
he's got a soft side and he could be um you can warm up to him and he realizes that he needs to step up and be a better parent to this girl that he's uh in you know whatever ways adopted i agree yeah there's a beautiful moment early in season two where they're like confronting each other in the living room and hoppers on one side representing standard societal authority he's a large adult male he's a sheriff a police chief uh and he represents all that societal authority right and on the other side you have 11 who's standing there with superpowers so she's representing that that raw power uh both physical and metaphorical or metaphysical and they're just kind of clashing and it's a it's a beautiful moment because you don't know who's going to win right uh i mean yes l could could physically kill anyone she looks at but you don't know who's going to win this battle of wills <laughs> and they both bring so much to bear and it's it's great very emotional while he struggles to like be a dad to a girl who's being looked for by powerful organizations, right? Because I had forgotten. I think that there was a, a backstory for him and losing his daughter. So that kind of yes. feeds into that. So he had he had a wife. Their daughter died and his wife couldn't take it and left him. So he had a tragic backstory. And through season one, he was dealing with all sorts of emotional trauma and pain. And then through adopting Eleven, he comes out of his emotional shell a little bit. Yeah. Season two is also great because Sean Astin is in it. Yeah. <laughs> as Bob. You gotta love Sean Astin. <laughs> Even this, this quirk, quirky, just kind of like stepdadish vibes. It's it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, so Bob works at the at the radio shack. He's interested in Joyce, Will's mother. Mm -hmm. They start dating, and he's doing his best, you know. He's he likes this girl. She has two boys. He's one is old, one is young. He's, you know, he's trying to like not take over the dad role, but like just be friendly and be upbeat and have a relationship with them. Uh -huh. um, and he's just a good, good guy. And he does his best to relate and sometimes falls short. But <laughs> but he's just trying. Yeah. And it, but like his character actually came into the biggest play of the whole season when uh, his weird nerd knowledge uh, helped them determine what Will was doing with his drawings. He's like, oh, it's a map. And then it covered the whole house <laughs> to try and determine yes. where they were supposed to go to use that. Yeah, so in this season, the villain, the, the Demogorgon, has been defeated and we're, we're introduced to the Mind Flayer, which was uh, foreshadowed at the end of this uh, season one. So the Mind Flayer is a classic Dungeons & Dragons monster, and the way it's pictured in the show is not in the classic manner, but that's fine. And the technical term for a mind flayer, for all you D&D fans out there, is illithid. Okay. So now the rest of you know too. <laughs> and then we're also introduced to D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan is the adopted, newly adopted pet of Dustin. Dart, short, short for or short version Dart, yeah. So he finds Dart in a trash can, I believe, mm -hmm. and that becomes a problem. <laughs> Hard and fast. <laughs> As the as Dart, the tiny little slug, soon starts growing into a demogorgon, um, and we find out that this is how they they grow rather fast, and this is their larval form and their adolescent form. We're introduced to adolescent demogorgons in the form of the demo dogs, which Steve comes full circle, and this time he's ready for battle, 
and he, you know, the boys go to the the town dump where the cars are, and they're ready for this fight against the demo dogs, and the whole thing happens. Uh, we also see the romance between Nancy and Jonathan grow mm-hmm. in season two. While Steve's dropping the ball. And we're introduced to Max and Billy. Now, Max was another, uh, probably another, one of my top three favorite characters. I thought she was really cool. That was one of my favorite scenes in the whole season where uh, the guys are still not knowing a whole lot about her. They're looking at her from afar on the recess playground like, who is this girl? I mean, what, what's she doing here? New kid in town. And she's just playing on her skateboard, crumbles up a piece of paper and throws it in the trash can and then walks into the building. And then they scurry over to see what she threw away. And it's a sign that says, stop following me. Yes. She's a fun character. She is. And she she's such a perfect fit for the boys group. They just don't know it when they meet her. Mm -hmm. And there's the beautiful interaction of Elle's jealousy at Max because she's used to being the only girl. um, And the boys resisting this girl and uh, trying to gatekeep her nerd credentials. But, of course, she breaks through because she's so endearing. And all that is wonderful. And then her brother, Billy, is the complete opposite. Billy is such a dick. He's a dick. He's a huge, huge dick. <laughs> he's a douche canoe. <laughs> he's he's a douche canoe on the canoe or on the douche river. He's, if there's he's ever, terrible. If there's ever been an actor or actress that did such a good job at making me hate them, and if I ever crossed the paths with them in person, I'd be like, I want to hit you in the face right now. It was this guy. He did a good job Whoa. playing that part. More than Sebastian Stan in Hot Tub Time Machine? <laughs> Okay. I mean, you're you're allowed to have your opinion. I just think Sir Sebastian Stan played a fantastic retro 80s uh, douchebag in Hot Tub Time Machine. Everybody loves Sebastian Stan. I mean, I do, but he plays a great – he has the hair down. He does the whole thing. He hates communists. I, I think <laughs> I – I think I hated the the bald friend more as they described him. He's like he's like Cartman. He's like an asshole, but he's our asshole. I hated him more. That's fair. He is an <laughs> asshole. Anyway, back to Stranger Things. There's a point where Elle runs away and she meets Eight. And number Eight is living with a like urban gang. And their aesthetic is very Lost Boys. Yes, very much. So if you're into 80s vampire movies – you will enjoy this segment of season two. Yes. Their aesthetic is is like Lost Boys. Really nothing else of their little gang is similar to Lost Boys, but you'll still enjoy it. You'll get it. And and that's a fun little side story for Elle and her development as she dives more into her past and understanding herself and where she came from, is meeting and interacting with number eight. And we move on to season three, where Steve, Nancy, and Jonathan have graduated from high school, and they're out now. They got jobs. Got jobs, and the boys are late, late middle school, early Probably, high school. Yeah, I want to say middle school. maybe, maybe latest uh, early high school. I would say. I'm gonna go ahead and say eight, like eighth grade. Let's say eighth grade. Dustin has spent most of the summer away at camp, so he has a girlfriend that he made at camp. As he says in the beginning, none none of them really believe, but it's that that old chestnut. No one believes him, but he claims he made a girlfriend at camp. Yeah. Steve is working at the mall ice cream parlor, and this is our first, like, big dive into, like, the quote-unquote 80s mall culture, mm-hmm. right, or mall phenomena. So this was a great 80s uh, move on the show's part. Let's all go to the mall today. <laughs> How I Met Your Mother? Anybody? Bueller? <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> and we're introduced to Steve's coworker at the mall. Their interaction and uh, develops through the the season. And season three is great because we fight communists. <laughs> that is a fair, astute point, my friend. So for seasons one and two, it's boys on bikes in a small town against government slash evil corporation, right? Because they kind of blend whether the the group that constructed L or Eleven is the government or a business or what. Like we don't know, right? Yeah. It's just shady. But in season three, the communists get involved because the Russians have detected something's going on in the Midwest and they've sent covert agents to go figure out what it is. And that creates this whole whirlwind of fun stories of the kids saying like, hey, we discovered there's there's Russian spies and stuff. And everybody else that's hearing the story is like, yeah, huh? OK, go do your homework. And then you follow them along as they uncover the mysteries. And of course, it's true. Yes, there it is. And we're also used to the formula now. So there's a set formula in the seasons where each person's kind of discovering something's off or a mystery of some kind. And at, they have to, at some point, figure out that it's all connected to one big conspiracy mm-hmm. and then go solve it together, right? Yeah. So this whole season, you're like, why aren't you talking to these people who helped you last time there was a conspiracy? <laughs> Learn from like, your why, mistakes. Right? <laughs> why wouldn't, like, Jonathan and Nancy immediately go to Hopper and the boys and be like, hey, some weird shit's going on. Any You guys notice any weird shit? <laughs> I'm getting Lana Lang vibes, not learning from your mistakes. <laughs> Terrible choices. Um, and we also see Steve and Dustin really come together this season because Dustin feels like the odd man out. In fact, that was that was one of the more um, intriguing uh plot twists for a character that I didn't see coming when Steve and Na- uh, not Nancy, Steve and uh, the ice cream girl are in the bathroom kind of opening up to each other. And you think that he th- he thinks that she's into him, but you find out uh, she's not really into you. She just had some sort of thing for you at a time when she was into a girl in class. I'm like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Very uh, emotional depth background for her. Just I mean, they they pull stuff out of out of nowhere that you, you never see coming all the time. So I, I still see three seasons in. I don't feel like I'm going to watch a new story from these shows and not be surprised. So that's why I'm always constantly intrigued. So what did you think of Lucas's sister? Uh, I had for, I had forgotten that was his sister because if I remember correctly, when you first uh, see her in the series, it's in a small side scene when they're fighting at home. Um, and then she has this uh, more established uh, character arc in the story where she's the annoying <laughs> little girl at the mall. She's like, I want my free ice cream. And then they tag her along for the mystery of trying to solve the stuff with the Russians. So it was a lot of fun. I liked her. Well, she's the only one small enough to fit through the air vents. I mean, obviously. But it, it goes on to back to season one, where given enough time, every character will get fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll they'll turn every one-dimensional character into a multi-dimensional character if you give them the time, which is really bodes well for season four so yeah for sure so yeah season four is on the horizon we've seen news for a uh fourth season they've got a deal for they've got a teaser out did you notice who the mayor is in season three i don't know the actor's name i know i know of him carrie elwes okay and he's from an 80s classic what 80s classic the princess bride oh yes 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 i knew i knew that i just didn't know the actor's name 
Um, that's not one I've seen a whole lot of times, like a lot of true fans for that cult classic. I know. I've seen it. I've seen it. Uh, like, what's the what's the actor's name that's really short that has that recognizable voice that's in that, too? He does, like, the voice of the T-Rex on Toy Story. Oh. Um, you know who I'm talking about. I, yeah, I can't think of his name right now. Give me a couple seconds. Uh, and I'll, I'll roll it around. Yeah, so I'm usually good with faces. Like, I knew he was in that movie. Uh, another big thing that I remember I placed him in is the first Saw movie. He's been in plenty of stuff. I re- and he did a good job of playing another dick in that show, too, of, like, corruption of power and crap. No, it was great. It was great to see Hopper challenged like that. Yeah, like, getting to see him, like, bang him up against the wall and stuff. Like, any good moment where you get to see Hopper get in a fight. Even with, when it's 11, I, I'm, I'm sitting there with popcorn, man. It's like, I I, I want to see him push some guy's uh, head into a wall. He's really good at playing that part of his role. Uh, Wallace Shawn is is the guy you're talking about who always says inconceivable. And yeah, that's what it, I was listening to that's him on the something the other day. And he was talking about it. I was like, how often do you get asked to say that? All the time. All the time. <laughs> inconceivable. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so, uh, did you watch the teaser for season four? Yes, I did. Uh, it's going to be awesome. If you haven't seen the teaser yet, basically you get to see the um, the traditional title frame for the name of the show with the big four to let you know the new season's upon us. And uh, the background turns into the upside down. Um, and this also links uh, back to... I, I have a bad habit of forgetting some of the uh, end credit scenes. We were <laughs> Michelle and I were just re-watching the opening for... Um, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home that just came out on disc today and she reminded me like oh this came out of the, the like I totally forgot about that end credit scene so at the end of season three for Stranger Things uh, they show a scene uh, focusing on the Russians again where they have some guy in a cell and they've got like a caged Demogorgon that they let loose to eat this guy uh, but apparently back in that scene too um, when you have to read the subtitles they're talking about an American so we're led to believe or we're led to think that the American that they're talking about is actually referencing Hopper. There's a chance that Hopper might not be dead, even though the scene where his death took place at the end of season three. Uh, why would we think that he'd still be alive? This giant mechanism that they used to open the portal again for the upside down exploded. Who would have survived in that room? But they're talking about an American. We're led to be, believe it's Hopper. That makes me super excited because he's still my favorite character long running now after three seasons of the show. There's also in the teaser you see, if you like really pay attention on one of the trees, there's a clock that's counting down as like the doomsday clock, which made me think of uh, Watchmen, like counting down to midnight. Ah, nice. Yeah. Legit. Yeah. Um, so there's thoughts that uh, this could potentially be the last season that they're going to do for this particular show, unless they do a spinoff for like, like the walking dead does, you know, if the walking dead is not going to last forever, the comics series is either, it's either nearing an end or all already. an end. they got the, the fear of the walking dead. You try and stretch the medium as much as you can. Uh, if for no other big reason than the actors, the main uh, actors of the storyline are getting older. I can't remember if I read correctly that for these uh, fourth and third season, they might have had to try and film a little bit back to back so they can try and keep them in some means of the same age that they appear to be uh, if they intend uh, to not stretch too far in time. You know, like they don't have to do like five years from now or whatever. Yeah. It's hard to say that they're in middle school when they're all shaving. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, if I were if I were a showrunner of that type of series, that's a detail that I would try to pay attention to. But that's logistics and stuff that's hard to do with actors. You and can only film when you have funding to film. That's that's the problem, right? So you film an episode or you film a season, and then a year later the season comes out, and then you get funding again. So now two years have passed, 
from the time you wrapped filming to the time you can film again. Because Netflix only keeps re-upping the show if the last season is profitable. Yeah. Right? Right. So they're waiting two years per per season. And plus... That's tough. Yeah, and plus, uh, the more that I listen to the podcast I listen to every week, uh, or listening to movie stars talk about their day jobs and stuff, uh, you have to think that the Netflix industry of filming is a lot different than your typical series because they're built for streaming back to back unlike other ones that kind of um like arrow's been filming little by little until the almost the whole season's ready to film as you go so netflix is a little different beast netflix has to film the whole season at once and that whole season has to be written at once Mm -hmm. right arrow can just if they don't have the last two seasons done when the first season comes on air or the first episode of the season comes on air it's okay yeah right they got like six eight months yeah yeah i hear what you're saying yeah i'm picking up what you're putting down silo (laughs) i'm smelling what you're stepping in i'm drinking what you're pouring i'm eating what you're cooking i hope i'm not stepping in anything that sounds awful i'm picking up what you're putting down uh and also um if you consider the fact that the entire series in one way or another really focuses on Eleven and then the other are kind of like her supporting cast because she's the one with the superpowers. If season four is potentially going to be the end of the series as a whole, we have to imagine what that's going to lead to. What would be the logical conclusion of Eleven's storyline in this entire four series or four season arc for the series? She dies. Well, there there's a huge potential that she could die or her objective... Um, over this entire period of the episodes we've watched is she's wanted to try and establish a normal life. She doesn't want to be cooped up inside and follow these rules. She wants to go out and uh, meet people and have her friends and eat her egos. She just happens to stumble into situations where her powers become handy. There's a chance that in a season four conclusion arc, she could be presented with the option of sacrificing her powers to finally gain that normal life that she wants. At the end of season three, she lost her powers. Yes, but with the Russians, another thing that I had uh, looked up on people talking about for uh, the way that her powers connect with the upside down, she lost her powers when that window was closed. If the Russians are still playing around with demigorgons and all these powers from the upside down, if that window becomes open again, she could connect to it once more. Ah. For all we know. Ah. Yeah. Very good point, Silo. So she needs to have the gateway open to access its power, but that's a threat to all humanity. Exactly. So we'd have to hope, like, you you only need the power if the doorway's there. Really, we just want to keep the goddamn door closed. (laughs) That that seems better. That seems like the logical objective that everybody really wants to agree on. Unless you're terrible. (laughs) Unless you're terrible. Unless you're one of these guys like the douche canoe... Billy. Billy. If you're like Billy, that's sleeping around with the married women and and almost wanting to beat up on your little sister. First of all, Billy does beat on his little sister. Second of all, he also sleeps with married women. But (laughs) but Mike's mom didn't go. That's true. I mean, she looks great. And uh, I wish she had my number, but she didn't go. Okay. Okay. So that was a a redeeming moment for her. But also, when Eleven dives into Billy's mind, he gets those humanizing, multifaceted moments where we see that he had a close relationship with his mother. Right. When she left, his father was abusive to him, and he's acting out, and he doesn't understand, you know, true what, what a man is supposed to be like. 
That's one of those things, man. I gotta, I gotta allow some of Michelle's better qualities to rub off on me because she's the type of person that we're looking at it and be like, I wonder what made him that way, and all I can see is what's in front of me. It's like you're, you're being a real dick right now, and you need to calm the hell down. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it makes it difficult for me to want to try and empathize with the villain, basically. Well, I mean, in in fiction, people can be more black and white. Mm-hmm. Tip of the hat to Stranger Things for trying to create multifaceted. I mean, Billy is a douchebag, but he's not the villain. Even though the demigorgon, I'm sorry, the the mind flare takes over his body and uses him for vile purposes, being a douche canoe is not being evil, which the mind flare is inherently evil. True. Um, it sacrifices townspeople to its own power. <laughs> Billy's just banging lonely housewives and getting in fistfights. That's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> we're we're not trying not to. We're not. We're not trying to suggest that we think that you guys should do that. Obviously, being a douche yeah. canoe is a bad thing. I'm not endorsing douchiness. <laughs> <laughs> we're endorsing watching Stranger Things. But murder <laughs> is worse. <laughs> <laughs> really, really, if we're talking levels of evilness, it's it's it's. It's stealing somebody's lunch money. Here, my hands on the floor to to indicate the lower lower version. Stealing somebody's lunch money, uh, giving wedgies to kids in school, punching somebody that looked at you a weird way, sleeping with married women, and killing people. <laughs> killing yeah, people's uh, at the top. It, it, but way, way at the top. Like, <laughs> way, way at the top. Like, sure, you shouldn't sleep with married married people. And contribute to an affair. But murder is way, way worse. <laughs> way, way worse. You know, and whatever. For all we know, but we're not we're not gonna get into Billy's sex life anymore. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put that pie on the windowsill for now and move on. There's pie? I'm a fan of pie. It's metaphorical pie, Silo. I like apple pie. Yeah, well that's because apple spice is better than pumpkin spice. I don't disagree with this. Pumpkin is a huge fad. I don't not like pumpkin, but apples are better. That's right. If you enjoy either pumpkin spice or apple spice or pie or not pie or autumn or not autumn, (laughs) you should listen to our backlog of podcasts to support the things that you like. I agree. I agree. They're worth listening to mostly. Listeners, we can bring you much more of our sexy voices if you give us a subscribe, if you give us a rating. Right now we've got some very outstanding ratings, but we could use more. Uh, Ratings are great. A rating and a comment is the gold standard. Yeah, we want to see your comments. If you both rate and comment, then I will reward you. We will come up with a reward system where – at a certain level of comments, I will do something to Silo, and we'll post a picture of it on our social media. Maybe a noogie or a wedgie or an Indian burn. I was going to say it could be worse than a noogie. I'll take a noogie. I, I, I'm having negative flashbacks about you already soliciting something for a reward of certain comments that I was involved in. And we, we have to move past this. <laughs> listeners, if we get 10 likes and comments, I will get I will give Silo a noogie and post a picture on social media. If we get 20 likes and comments, I will give Silo an Indian burn and post a picture on social media. And if we get 30, I'll give him a wedgie. How about 50? If we get to 200 likes and comments, (laughs) I will give him a swirly. 
Well, that does it for our episode this week, listener. <laughs> I don't like how you solicit out weird things for me. Just, just, are, <laughs> just let let me bully you for the fans. I don't like bullies. <laughs> You're supposed to be for, my friend. This is, this is for a good cause. I bullshit. It's a good cause. What do I get out of it? You don't think the podcast is a good cause? The podcast is a good cause, but there's better. <laughs> There's better ways to reward people. It's possible, listeners, that as likes and comments go, you should also comment on suggestions for me to bully Silo as rewards to you. Okay, I will agree with that. That's a fun campaign. Let's go for that. (laughs) We'll call it the Bully Adam campaign. (laughs) Now, this is a a ribbon I'd put on my car. (laughs) We're already making stickers. Look at that. (laughs) Everyone's heard of the March for Dimes. This is the new deal. (laughs) You got any final thoughts, Nate? I'd like to invite all our listeners to stick around for the postcast after the podcast. We have a beautiful postcast podcast waiting for you, and you should give it a quick listen. And don't forget. It's very sexy. Don't forget that it's sexy because we take our shirts off and we encourage you to to as well and don't forget to tell your friends about the show and how much you like the podcast postcast if it's not the only reason that you love listening to the show if we take our shirts off though you can't see it we still do invite you to join along because it's more enjoyable thank you and that's the show (laughs) thanks listeners got ac running and it's always like super cold in here so listeners welcome back this is the fanboys with nate and adam podcast postcast and we are bringing it to you sexy with our shirts off as always and we invite you to take your shirts off and listen to it sexy (laughs) uh i wanted to discuss the new birds of prey trailer birds of prey yeah i just watched it today so i did too and it was wonderful. It's got Margot Robbie reprising her role as Harley Quinn. I can't get enough of Margot Robbie Harley Quinn. I think that she just completely owns that role. I mean, for being like the first uh, live representation of that character, she she's rocking it. Uh, she's yeah. she's you know she's Agreed. given that she's given that level of like I can't picture anybody else playing that part. I was excited at the first mention of the movie becoming a thing because we were because I I actually own um, and I forget the artist, but the, there was a a line of uh, Birds of Prey. I don't know if they're graphic novels, but they had I have the hardback collections and it was about Harley Quinn and Catwoman and uh, Poison Ivy at a DC Comics. And it's really fun stories. I love the artwork. And so I thought something of that on the big screen was just a natural direction after we got to see her in um suicide squad so uh we get to see huntress which is something we've yes uh, i think we've only i've only noticed her um on arrow uh i think that she was in uh an earlier series of the actual birds of prey i don't know what air what uh network it aired on i also did not watch that that show so here's a fun story about that show first off i learned that 
whoever the main actress was on that show is going to do a cameo, I think, for the crossover, which oh, is good. cool. So it sucks that they're pulling all these people, but you're still not getting your Dean Kane. So I, a little tribute to you. I hate it. I hate it. I'm sorry. Dean Kane is my Superman. Dean Kane's your Superman. But as a fan in general of Justice League and DC type stuff, I think that it's cool that they're trying to pull it from all these different avenues of older series and movies. Um, so that actress yeah. from that show is, uh, I think, supposed to be playing a small cameo for her role on that, which I think is Black Canary. I could be wrong. I think it's Black Canary. Anyway, that Birds of Prey series, I was fooled for. <laughs> I was duped once when I was walking through the store years ago and saw that box set on the shelf in the DVD section. And the DVD artwork, the box artwork was really intriguing to me. It had that little kind of like reflective paint or whatever and i was like that's cool birds of prey i like birds of prey i gotta watch this i took it home didn't get first i didn't get through one episode the production quality was garbage (laughs) no no disrespect to anybody out there that likes that show i have not completed it i don't think i got past only the pilot episode i thought the it it was not my style i bought the entire thing and didn't watch any of it (laughs) <laughs> so that's not going to be a problem for this movie, Silo. So you're all right. You're going to be taken care of. They're taking you under wing. <laughs> so Margot Robbie got great reviews for her performance as Harley Quinn in the Suicide Squad movie. And that movie is a topic for another time. Because of that victory for her, she was one of the lead producers on this movie. Oh, I didn't realize that. Good made. for her. So she was she's a producer um and the movie was written by a woman cool and directed by a woman awesome this is a movie about femme fatales mm-hmm. where the lead producer's woman the whole staff is uh promoting you know feminine artists in Hollywood and I think that's that femininity is going to come through in a positive way cool. and I like that part of of the backstory I do, too. Uh, so if I remember correct, for characters that we're getting, we're supposed to get Huntress, I think yes. Black Canary, and if there's yes. another one, I'm not remembering who. So uh, the the number four is uh, Renee Montoya, and she's a detective. She's not part of the Femme Fatales. Okay. She's a detective that they interact with. Okay. So the, the main core for this movie is going to be Huntress, Black Canary, and Harley Quinzel, Harley Quinn. Okay. And they've got Ewan McGregor playing I saw that. Black Mask. Oh, he's Black Mask? Nice. Yes. So that'll be really nice. Black Mask is an underutilized classic Batman villain. Yeah, he's one of those and that people this... people really enjoy, and we haven't really gotten to see a, a live representation of him. Correct. So that you want a, a classic Batman villain that doesn't get put in other things, mm-hmm. so that you can create him however you want. Yeah. So I really like that. And I hope Ewan McGregor puts on the mask at some point during the movie. But if he does, that's okay too. I mean, it's it's the first teaser slash trailer, and generally, even if they do do it in the movie, they won't release the fact that they did that in a clip until like maybe the last trailer that they break yeah. out. I wouldn't be surprised if they do do it in the movie. Uh, I want to tip my hat to Margot Robbie. Her Boston accent is rock solid. I like it too. She does that well. I mean, neither one of us are from Boston, but I think she pulls it off. I don't Very think, well for, for an Australian actress. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think that she harps on it too much. She doesn't make it too thick or anything, but she she plays well with it. I've 
I've watched movies where actresses were supposed to have accents that I just didn't it, I didn't feel like it was uh, consistent throughout the role. Um, I've, I've never had a problem with the way that she portrays this character. The only criticism I'm going to give so far from what we've seen for the trailer. Again, I've mentioned uh, that my number one thing that I go to for casting is I want to try and I, I want to have no problem trying to pinpoint who the character is supposed to be. I had a hard time trying to figure out who is who. I didn't recognize Huntress. I didn't recognize Black Canary. Ah, I got you. So Don't worry about so it. So they're de- at least from the visuals that I've seen, I feel like they've deviated a bit. Maybe they'll progress in the movie. I don't know. So as far as like visually distinguishing these people and putting them in costumes and all that, that that remains to be seen. So I should I should tell the listeners that my introduction to Huntress was in justice league unlimited in the late 90s early 2000s and they had specific episodes where they had huntress usually with the question hunting down a conspiracy doing yada yada mary winstead is playing huntress in this movie and you might recognize her as ramona flowers oh no shit i didn't pick her out as that i do like her okay scott pilgrim versus the world okay 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 issues resolved i really like her uh, I didn't see it close enough in the trailer, but I really do like her. I got you. And uh, my introduction to this actress was in the, the movie Sky High, as you know. Yeah, Sky High. Okay. Where she played the villain that controls machines. Yeah. Uh, so th- that's great. I'm happy to see. I mean, she's staying right in a nice little uh, nerd slash geek lane with those two credentials under her belt. And now this. Uh, and I'm I'm happy to see her as Huntress. Then Black Canary is being played by Journey Smollett Bell. Do not recognize and that name. I haven't watched either of these programs, but she was in Friday Night Lights. Okay, I haven't watched and that either. True Blood. I haven't watched True Blood either. Okay. Uh, but I will not hold the actions of her brother against her. <laughs> her brother is Jussie Smollett, who made the news cycle not too long ago with this, in this past year. For a scandal. Okay. Huh. All right. Fair enough. Um, and we'll dive into that scandal, but we're gonna we're not gonna hold her brother's actions against her, and I, and I, I think she's gonna do good work here. Okay, that's fair enough. The last last is Renee Montoya, the police detective that interacts with the the birds, and I, my first look at this actress was in a long time ago movie called White Man Can't Jump. I haven't seen it, <laughs> but I know of it. You haven't seen White Man Can't Jump? Uh, who else was in it? Woody Harrelson. That sounds right. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I know of it. Bruh. 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 If we're talking Woody Harrelson movies, I've got another one on my radar that I'm really worried about watching in this month. Zombieland 2. Well, we've, we've all got to watch Zombieland 2. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but anyway, to the trailer, and that we've talked a little bit about who's in this film, how it was made, how it came about. Uh, I really liked kind of the visual style of this trailer. It had less of the colorfulness of uh, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, because Suicide Squad had like a dirty, grungy, but but pop. Yeah, very pop to its color palette. It had a dirty pop to its color palette. This seems less of that. Maybe closer to a Dark Knight color palette based on i mean harley is always going to have those bold yellows reds whites and blacks yeah. right uh and you saw her good night bat was in the trailer they showed a hyena which i loved 
because the hyenas were integral to the original Harley Quinn, which she was introduced in Batman the Animated Series. I saw that clip. I thought that was really cool. I can't believe they're doing that. That's neat. Is there anything that caught your eye particularly I mean, in the trailer? Uh, I'd have, I only watched it the one time while I was at work. I'd have to rewatch it again. Um, I wasn't quite sure who the villain was supposed to be. So pointing that out that it's black mask, I'm very intrigued by that. I mean, the, the only, uh, I, I won't let this take away from my excitement to go see the movie. Um, I'm really into always paying homage to the characters co- costumes in some way or another. Very particular about how they visualize uh, black canary. I've even been a little bit. Critis, uh, critical of the way that they've done the progression of different people playing that role on Arrow. Um, and I even think at least what I've seen for this final season, they're going to do a costume that I finally feel is like well uh, suited for what it's supposed to look like. I hope they do some version of that in the movie. I mean, I don't know how traditional you could consider my fandom for these characters and their costumes and stuff from the comics, but like my true favorite version of all of the DC, what I refer to the cover girls, when I first discovered um, Adam Hughes' artwork of people like uh, Black Canary, Catwoman, Zatanna, uh, Poison Ivy. It's just, you know, the classic, you got that pose of uh, mm. Black Canary and her black and gold, and she's just, like cracking her knuckles. You know, I like that old style, like the traditional type of costumes and stuff. So I hope they do some version of that. Um, I, you know, getting the purple palette color in for. Uh, for Huntress. I mean, you already get to see that she's using the crossbows, so she's got that down. But it, I'm instantly really drawn into knowing I'm going to go spend the money on the ticket just for Harley Quinn. Uh, she plays the role really well. I think they market her character really good. Uh, and I hope they make something a third movie with her in it, too. Um, focusing on how she's trying to try and try and take herself away from the Joker. Like you said, won't, you know, lady power, girls sticking together. Um, so that's going to have itself a whole new different type of audience on top of us going to see it. I already know I'm going to buy a ticket. I'm, I'm easy to please. Yes, there, there's, that's true. You are. <laughs> 100% agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, your girlfriend would agree with that. Everyone would agree with that. Yeah. I think that there's a, a lot of potential in this movie to improve upon the things that were good about Suicide Squad and move away from the things that were bad. I mean, I don't know how a lot of other people feel, but it was not my favorite Joker. If this does well, they can certainly make a follow-up. And certainly Margot Robbie has a vested interest in making sure that this goes well. I I think that just shows how much you must enjoy playing the character, which is another thing that gets me excited about watching these things. Like, uh, knowing how much somebody like Robert Downey Jr. enjoyed truly playing tony stark for 10 plus years you you know there's no sense of having to like recast somebody like you did in the dark knight trilogy where you lose that continuity when you see a person that you know is passionate loves playing that role that's another level of getting to enjoy watching them play the part and i get that from margot robbie for harley quinn did it say when it was supposed to come out i don't remember if i saw a release date i don't remember either but it you know we're, we're all waiting patiently we all yes so where, whenever it's released, we're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to more trailers being released before the movie comes out. And if those trailers are deemed significant enough, we will discuss them in future postcasts. Or dedicated episodes. Who knows? Oh, 
bold silo bold <laughs> you want you want to jump in and help me edit some edit episodes sometime in the future yes i should probably learn that at some point <laughs> i would be thoroughly impressed and touched if you tried to learn how to use the software it's free software yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think that wraps it up. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good long day of stuff to chat about. Yes. So if you are listening to this podcast, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're gonna sign off now. So thank you for we're taking gonna put your our shirt shirts off. back on. That's right. We're gonna put our shirts back on, and you can too. Thanks, everybody. Later, guys. <laughs>